This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Love Food Podcast is brought to you in partnership with my PCOS and Food Peace course. Finally, free yourself from endless PCOS fatigue, frustration, shame, and guilt. For PCOS sufferers who are tired of ineffective diets and unhelpful advice, join me on a PCOS and Food Peace journey that will change your life forever. Grab all the details at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita and let's begin. Hi, and welcome to episode 243 of a Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. This episode is for those of you who are feeling really tired on your food peace journey. You may be working towards eating disorder recovery and feeling pretty meh about it, pretty hopeless, not really seeing a light at at the end of the tunnel. This episode seriously is for you. Maybe you're someone who never said you experienced an eating disorder, but you feel your relationship with food has been complicated and stressful for as long as you can remember, and you just can't imagine it being any other way. Yeah, this episode's for you too. We have a letter from someone who has experienced a lot of darkness, and part of the darkness and trauma has affected their relationship with food. And I know that's something else that a lot of you can relate with. I wanted to give a content warning as it comes to, or as it relates to rather, this letter. Um, This letter writer describes um, experiences that include sexual assault. So if that's something that you're not in a place really to want to listen to, 
or you want to just skip on over the letter for that reason and just jump into the interview, then I wanted to give you that heads up. And this is a really important letter. Again, I think the person's experiences are unique to this person, but so many of you will relate to their um, their darkness and the hard times that they're experiencing. And I really wanted to handle this le- this letter with care. And I'm so excited to have you connect with Darylise Lyons. You may know Darylise Lyons from her podcast called Demystifying Diversity. Um, she also has a book with the same name. She's an author, an actor, and an activist, and she has so much insight. You definitely want to listen to what she has to say. But before we get to the interview with Darylise Lyons and hear this episode's letter, a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. If you have been diagnosed with PCOS, I know that you've been told you have to diet in order to manage the condition. And I don't want PCOS to be associated with that four-letter word anymore. There is another way. The PCOS and Food Peace course is rooted in intuitive eating and other anti-diet types of therapies that I've been practicing for 20 years now. The course is one part self-study where you have 12 modules and tons of bonuses that you get to do on your own time. The other part of the course is live group coaching. Once a month, you get access to me to ask all your questions, and we meet over Zoom live, and if you can't make it, you can also get the recording. We also have once a month guest experts that come in the community to dig deeper into concepts that you want to explore. This is a great time to join the community because May is the month that I turned 46. Yes, I am celebrating 46 years on this earth, and I want to celebrate by giving you a discount. If you buy the course between May 16th and May 24th of 2021, use the coupon code BIRTHDAY at checkout and get 30% off. That's right, 30% off using the coupon code BIRTHDAY at checkout. And you can use that between May 16th and May 24th, 2021. I cannot wait to see you inside. Get all the details at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. And don't forget that birthday code, birthday code, (laughs) coupon code BIRTHDAY to use at checkout to get 30% off. Dear Food, I don't really know exactly when my relationship became complicated with you or quite how it came to control my life. I remember when I was in my early teens being the one to say diets are bullshit and not thinking about what I ate. Being anti-diet culture was practically a part of my identity, and such is where my values sit today. But I live in complete contradiction. At some point in my teens, I started restricting and using my vegetarianism to choose the salad option at school. But it wasn't controlling. It wasn't overwhelming. It felt more like a natural reaction to being at an all-girls school in a society that we live in, an image-based thing. Sometimes it was reactionary, in spite of my well-meaning mother, who would always tell me that soup is a starter, not a meal, and check if I was eating enough, despite her smaller portions. 
I later learned she had struggled with anorexia for years and would still struggle to eat in times of stress. I developed anxiety and depression by age 16, which ruled and ruined my sixth form life. Perhaps it was the exam stress, the family troubles, growing up with a drug-abusing brother who was in and out of the hospital, in and out of home, and in and out. Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcasts. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Out of school. Not that I was always told straight away about this. We had a complex relationship with my father, who always vied for my brother's attention and allegiance against my mother. I tried to always be neutral, always loving all parties, because I was and could not be. But with this came a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, and the earnest desire to always tread this precarious and often punishing line. Of course, when I couldn't, and can't today. There's guilt. I was a straight-A student until the slump during my sixth form years when my energy broke and I scrapped my way through the last two years. I used to be and still feel like I should be the person who was able to succeed at anything and everything without dropping the ball. But suddenly, I could do nothing, and I have struggled ever since. Around this time, I realized there was probably something wrong, a cause. Through an explosive conversation with my mother, I was pushed to a consultation with a therapist and given the diagnosis, anxiety and depression, but didn't receive further help. In my first year of uni, I tried to access help myself, but was turned away by the uni counseling services after a few sessions, saying they didn't know how to help me as I had already thought everything through so much myself. 
It was in this year I had a few episodes of binging and purging. This continued around occasional periods of stress, such as exams, but not as a regular method of coping. In second year, my mental health worsened. Restricting, binging, and purging became a secret indulgence, but never something I saw as a problem as it was so sporadic. I had difficult relationships with my flatmates, though I had stronger relationships and friendships elsewhere. I felt alone. I became so ill I had to defer my exams. I worked towards the the summer session, hoping I could somehow manage, but two weeks before I was due to take them, I was raped. Utterly broken, I moved back in with my parents for a few months, during which time I tried to use food to console myself while I tried to process what happened. But when a close family member was admitted to the hospital with terminal cancer, I began majorly restricting. When they passed away and my family fell apart, I moved back to my uni town and started a new job, trying to get my life back on track. Pretty much all the friends I thought I had were no longer there for me. I managed to get access to CBT for nine weeks, but developed bulimia in a dramatic way, binging and purging at least three times a day, at one time losing X amount in a month. This continued through another exam deferral and another. I fought for a year to access treatment, being passed from waiting list to waiting list, rejected for being too symptomatic, too complicated, or not fitting criteria. Along the way, I met someone who truly loves me and cares for me and helps me through these struggles. When I'm with him, I eat normally and don't purge, but will find myself in tears most evenings because of food. My weight is stable, but I am miserable in my skin, mentally exhausted and absolutely terrified of this relationship with food that dominates my life. I cannot have food around me and resist it, regardless of whether I am hungry. I am so anxious about when I might need to eat that I'm constantly aware of a hunger and I cannot discern the emotional from the physical. I know I use binging and purging as both a means of occupying myself when I'm alone, as an emotional control, and as a form of self-harm. And what started as a tool has grown like a weed to something that I am constantly aware of and bothers me even when I'm happiest. I love to cook and often cook with my boyfriend, but can't enjoy a meal without resenting myself and being overwhelmed with frustration as a result. In a month, I will finally be starting treatment. But I am worried about managing my relationship with food during this time, as I know it will be a gradual process and not the focus of my treatment. Additional private treatment isn't easily available for me. I am also worried about the strain I place on my boyfriend, who is always there for me, but who cannot fight the battle for me, no matter how much he may want to try. I'm trying to keep the willpower to fight for myself, to maintain the relationships I have left, and to succeed in my final chance to pass these exams in just a few months. I desperately need peace with you, food, so that I can have more energy to to make peace elsewhere in my life. Yours, terrified and pleading for a truce. Thank you so, so much for this letter. Oh, I know that you expressed a lot of things that were really terrible that happened and what's making your recovery so complicated. And just know that as I was reading your your letter, I, I was connecting with so much that you were bringing up and really wanted to handle it with care. And 
when I was reading it, I thought of Darylise Lyons. So Darylise Lyons is someone that I got to know through her podcast called Demystifying Diversity. She's an author, an actor, and an activist, someone who has been exploring the nuance of diversity that includes diet culture. I again, I thought of Darylise. I know, I just knew that she would do a really um, important job of handling it with care and helping us to just go through all the different parts of it. So let's go ahead and give Darylise a call. Hello. Hey, dear Elise, it's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Good. Hey, Julie, how are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be actually talking to you live. I feel like I've gotten to know you through your podcast. So thanks for joining me and helping me with this letter. Oh, I hope you had a chance to read through it. It was yeah. an important letter, you know? I did. Thank you so much. And really, thank you so much to the person who wrote in terrified and pleading for a truce. I, I, I did dive into the letter and read it and reread it a few times. And um, it, it really broke my heart, <laughs> Julie, mm-hmm. like just the, the, the struggle and, and the experience of being in that state of just being so self-punishing and seeking escape. And it reminded me of, of what it used to be like when that was the way that I lived. And I just felt such a deep compassion for the person who wrote in and, and for my, myself, you know, and, and just the struggle, the struggle of, of people who live in an active eating disorder. It's really hard. Oh, that means that you like totally handled this love, this letter with care. So I appreciate that. That's whenever I read these letters, I, I just know they're important and they're really from like a a really important and wounded space with a person. So I always want to handle them with a lot of care. So just even hearing your experience with it um, makes me connect that you were handling it with care and also um, connecting to your own lived experience, which I think is so um, important um, and can be like a really great navigation and when you were when you were reading through this letter, what was your like big picture general impression about what this person's experiencing? Yeah, I mean, I think what really stood out to me, Julie, were the layers. You know, as I was reading through, like this is a letter written to food, and it was about so much more than food, right? Like just the family dynamics and sexual abuse and trauma and anxiety and depression and just the mental and emotional anguish and also the behavioral piece of not being able to stop the self-destructive cycle except when the the person who wrote in you know is with their significant other and i really i mean i just related to that like this soul this desperate soul hunger that I tried to fill with food and then purging and the mental obsession and all of that. And at the same time, you know, for me personally, with my eating disorder journey, there was a behavioral piece that was critical. You know, I couldn't heal the mental and emotional stuff that was operating beneath the surface without doing some serious work on my relationship with food in and of itself. And at the same time, 
you know, if I thought that it was just about the food, I was really shortchanging myself, like with my lived experience. And I don't know that I would have been able to have this type of sustainable recovery that I have today. So I really, as I was reading, what stood out to me was how multi-layered this is and probably, well, I don't want to project onto the reader, but for myself, how multi-layered my approach to recovery has had to be. Yeah, how how important that was. And I think about someone who may be listening right now, who maybe has someone in their life experiencing an eating disorder is and wants to support them, but not really understanding it. Um, and I, of course, there are a lot of people that I'm sure you've come across in your lifetime too, who don't really understand what eating disorders, um, what it's like to live with that. And, you know, I don't have a lived experience, um, recovering from eating disorder. I feel really lucky to be able to like sit across people for 20 years as they've shared their lived experience. Um, so I can't say I understand, but uh, like, I'm really trying hard to, but so many people will say things like, why can't you just eat more? Or why can't you just stop doing this behavior? And the way you just described that really helped, um, I think a listener to appreciate this is why, like it's, there's so many layers to it. It's so complicated. And um, I also say that for like a listener who's feeling really frustrated with their recovery. Um, Daryl, I don't know if you ever felt that in your recovery process, like, why can't I just do it differently? Why can't I just recover? But yeah, yeah, like the, there it's hard and it's, there's so many layers and there's so many layers of support that are needed to help to be in a place that, I don't know, just the place you want to go with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, Julie, something that stands out to me. So I work in the diversity space and where, how this translates is that, you know, I think you've met one person with an eating disorder. You've met one person with an eating disorder. I think we're all complex matrices of, you know, Uh, life experiences and identity markers and different ways that our minds work and different ways that we're wired. And so in some ways, I would imagine that not being a person with an eating disorder yourself may have helped you to really just meet the person that you're sitting across from as they are and listen to what they're telling you. Because I think it can be hard to make sweeping generalizations Mm. about you know, people with any, and with any sort of um, overlapping issue, because, you know, what I needed for my recovery may not be what the next person needs. I think there are some commonalities. There are some, you know, we talk about uh, an anti-diet culture approach and, and different things that I think are kind of universally important to begin to understand and engage with. But that said, I, it's such a, process of individual inquiry and exploration that, you know, I don't think there is, you know, just as there's not one size body, there's not one size recovery. Mm. Everybody has their own unique experience. And I think for me, that was both terrifying and liberating to realize that like, I was going to have to figure out what worked for me. Um, and you know, much like a, a food plan, right? Like I couldn't just take someone else's way of eating and make it mine and think that somehow that was going to work for me. Like I really needed to get to know my psyche, my body, my soul hungers and begin to feed myself on that level. And that's, that's a lifelong journey and it's highly individualized. And I, I think a lot of what stood out to me about this particular reader's story is like, 
such good awareness, right? I mean, so much, so much insight about different elements of, of life and experience and yet, you know, an application gap, right? Between knowing, knowing some of the causal factors, some of the issues, but like not yet having an experience of falling in love with themselves. And Mm -hmm. um, for me, a lot of recovery is about that. It's about first, you know, stopping the behaviors that that intensify the self-hate and, and then, you know, inviting myself to meet myself for the first time, perhaps ever, or, you know, for the first time since I kind of got away from myself. So it's been, I think it is a journey and I think it is very, it's it's very unique. It's very individual. And um, yeah. And so I would invite people, whether they're support people or whether they're themselves struggling with an eating disorder or anywhere on the spectrum in between, like to, to know, to acknowledge that what one person needs is what one person needs and, and have an authentic experience of that person, whether that's yourself or someone in your life and really get curious about, you know, how can I support you? And again, you know, how asking that question to yourself, how can I support you myself in this recovery journey? And, or how can you support, you know, how can I support the loved one? in my life and, and letting that person guide, you know, guide that as opposed to trying to superimpose what we think we know onto ourselves or someone else. Mm, that is so important. Like the way you're describing it, it reminds me of like existential types of experiences of like, wow, I have the freedom. I don't have to do recovery in this exact way, but oh goodness, like how, like, I don't have a structure to follow (laughs) because it's really going to need to be the way I need it to be. Um, thank you for that. And, and, and so considering what this person shared with us in their letter and, um, some, uh, you know, thinking about what you were just talking about too, what would you recommend to someone, either the listener or, or not the listener, but the, the, the letter writer or a listener who can relate to that letter? What would you recommend as some steps forward? With this particular person who wrote in, I do see that, you know, they said that um, she said she's going to be starting treatment psychotherapy with a trauma focus. Um, And so I think I think it's important that she's going to be in an environment where she can talk about some of the things and delve in emotionally. I, you know, I think it it's significant to me that the letter writer spoke about how being in this loving relationship has been liberating in some ways and has allowed her, you know, she said she doesn't binge and purge when she's with her significant other. And, um, and why I think that's important, Julie, isn't so much, I mean, I don't believe that relationships are going to save us or anything like that. But to me, it's the fact that you know, when love is present, there is not that desire to act out with food, or even if the desire is there, there's an ability to resist it, right? Like there's strength that comes from love. And so I would encourage the letter writer and anyone with an eating disorder on the, on the line to like find things that they can either love about themselves, love about life, you know, find a higher power, a higher purpose, something that is bigger than the food, you know, something that calls to you, that nourishes you, that fills you up inside um, in a way that food can be, well, that that can be louder, right? Than the voice of the addiction, the voice of the disease. And I think, 
you know, I think different people love different things, right? And and it's not just about finding one thing. I mean, I, I think this relationship is a good start, but I don't think it's enough. You know, I know from my yeah. own experience, having one thing has never been enough, but I had to find, you know, okay, a network of supported people, supportive people that can love me, a, a therapist, you know, for me, I love dance. I love writing. I, I mean, one of the reasons I'm a writer is because I realized getting into recovery that in the absence of 12 times a day, binging and purging, I needed something to fill that space. And I'd always loved writing. You know, some people it's art. It can be music, watching TV that they love, you know, and I don't, I don't look at it so much as like coping skills or strategies or things to distract you from the food or starvation or what, whatever else people do over exercise, but like, you know, finding things that really feed the soul, you know, that, that nourish you on a level of depth and a level of sustain, like a sustained level and more than just one thing, you know, add to and add to and add to that list of things that, um, that can light us up with love. And so for me, you know, that's been a very long, (laughs) circuitous, nonlinear journey, but it was so essential because I think deprivation, right? Like diets are all about deprivation. Um, But I think it's possible even sometimes, Julie, to take that deprivation mindset into recovery and feel like, okay, I just can't use symptoms, you know, or I just have Mm -hmm. to stop doing this and to focus so hard on what we don't want to do that becomes almost like myopic, right? And you can't experience what you do want. And so it just, I I don't think getting into recovery should feel like giving something up. I think for me, it has to feel like being full of just something different, you know, having something in my life that is actually more filling and more nourishing and has, you know, no side effects, (laughs) whereas there are no negative side effects, whereas the eating disorder, you know, it it filled a void. And so if I just take it away and I'm left with that same void, life becomes, life is, is horrible. Right. And I don't want to be living it. So I, I guess that's a sort of long answer, but I would say build on the things that she loves and definitely get some supports, which it sounds like both of those things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like there seems to be like a layer that's starting to form or just like even an experience of something that feels like love. And the things that I remember so much about sitting with people in the throes of an eating disorder was the connection with like that emptiness and self-hatred and, and hearing you talk about falling in love with yourself, like, and connecting with who you were and, and, how that takes time. And, and I think about how you mentioned earlier, like all these layers, like there needs to be more than just one thing, more than just one relationship, but all these different parts to lead to that wholeness. And I hope this letter writer has space for like just the time that it will take for that. And then also an openness. Um, and I dearly said, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking about what you mentioned about like how there doesn't need to be like a deprivation, like how you you're saying that, like you can use that deprivation mindset to your advantage, you know, like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to use my behaviors right now. I'm going to have one of those. Like that was a, a nice kind of flip that um, I don't hear many people talking about. So thank you for adding it there. And um, those are, yeah, your insight was really important. And I hope that it helps the, the letter writer have some like different, um, options, you know, different ways to maybe navigate the next space for themselves. And, um, you know, thinking about um, 
what this person's experiencing. Um, and anybody who is trying to add to um, their recovery journey, um, we have something on this podcast called a food peace syllabus, which is a collection of resources that we've been building since the Love Food podcast began that help with the recovery journey. And you can get to it at juliedillonrd.com slash food peace syllabus. Um, Dear Lisa, would you like to add anything to it? Yeah. Um, so I would say that you spoke about insights and my experience of recovery has been that I had to get out of my head and like into my life and into <laughs> my body and, um, and not in my body in a way that was, I mean, cause it's very physical, right? Julie, like the binging and the purging and the serving and the over exercising, like it's a very embodied kind of thing, but I had to have a new experience of sort of dropping out of my mind and into my self, into, into my life. And so I guess I, I would encourage people to think about in terms of like resources or in terms of things that they could do um, to just like find one thing that calls to you, whatever it is, whether it's listening to music, you know, and for me, I remember early on in my recovery, I would put on, you know, a three minute song and just dance around my living room, you know, <laughs> that was the best I could do, or I would meditate for like two minutes and I would cry the entire time. And so it, I, I would just, I think anything can be a positive recovery resource if it's something that you love, something that feeds you up or feeds your soul, something that, you know, has only positive consequences. Uh, I think, I think that can be something to build on. So I would encourage people to, to do that um, for sure. And then, uh, and also, you know, it's funny, right? Cause I talked about adding and not depriving, but something else to think about is really, you know, if you want to be in recovery, if I want to be in recovery, it's also important for me to look at the things that I am consuming in terms of like media and in terms of, um, you know, just like things I was subscribed to, like I was subscribed to a bazillion newsletters about dieting and fitness, you know, all these things. And I, and so for me, it was really important to unsubscribe to those things, to not you know, like be, I, I mean, Instagram wasn't such a big thing when I was getting into recovery, but maybe, you know, to like be conscious of who I follow and who I like and where I spend my time. Because, you know, if I was, as I was trying to learn to love and inhabit my body, I couldn't keep, I, I just couldn't keep focusing on my previous standards of what, a, a happy life was supposed to look like, or what a, you know, a healthy body was supposed to look like. I had to kind of start from, start from scratch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, those newsletters, those email newsletters have been the, like, just a little tap on the shoulder for so many people to move away from their recovery. You know, I, and I, I'm recalling conversations with people who were, you know, feeling fuller in the way that you're describing. And then lo and behold, this random email would come in <laughs> and it would, you know, for some diet company or some influencer trying something. And it just was like a tap on the shoulder that like really, um, caused a pivot that they didn't want to go in, you know, but it's, it's as much as you can have like a boundary in that area. I think unsubscribing is so powerful and I, it's, it seems so small, but it's huge, you know? Yeah, so. it's totally huge. I used to experience, I used, it used to feel like I got hijacked by the disease. Like yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I had a lot of relapses early on in, in my recovery and 
and throughout, like I'd have, you know, years in recovery and then I'd have a relapse and I'd have yes. years, you know, recovered and then relapse. And, and so, yeah, for me, it, it's just this, this consciousness, this awareness that, you know, there's something about my neural pathways or my emotional wiring or whatever it is, the level of sensitivity, a level of openness. Uh, I mean, the, the reader t- talked about this in their letter, like just wanting to love all people. And, you know, like, I don't know, I think there was a huge, I just am such a heartful person. And mm-hmm. so something would happen and it would, it would just sort of take over and the eating disorder would take hold of me before I even knew what was happening. And then I'd find myself binging and purging, or I'd realize that I'd been over-exercising. And, you know, so yeah, I think really doing what we can to minimize the external forces that are likely to draw us back into the disease and to maximize the things that are going to keep us in recovery externally, but then also know that, you know, the vast majority of the work is internal. It's not, you know, it's, it's not just about these Mm -hmm. external. Yeah. Yeah. It, It reminds me how, um, recovery, part of what makes it complicated, just part of it, is that the world hasn't even acknowledged its own eating disorder, its own relationship with food and how diet culture is so pervasive and just moving through the world unchecked, you know, and, um, and I, I appreciate your podcast, how it explores so much nuance and, um, uh, your podcast is demystifying um, diversity, right? And yes. <laughs> um, the the episode where you got a chance to connect with uh, Danny and Adriana was the the one where I was like, oh yes, there's actually a discussion on weight with diversity. This is so amazing. So um, I appreciate you bringing that in just now, and also like in your work um, with diversity, including body size and diet culture, acknowledging all of that. Um, has such a big part of it, you know, and no wonder this, this, this process is so complicated. I I didn't even think about too, or didn't even acknowledge too, like how capitalism is a part of diet culture too. And how that those newsletters that we get randomly, how (laughs) that's why they're there suddenly, you know, some, somebody's in promoting some kind of diet for a reason. It makes money. And, um, anyway, um, I appreciate your work so much and, um, if someone wants to know more about you and your work, where's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. Um, so they can subscribe to the Demystifying Diversity podcast anywhere they get or listen to podcasts. They can also visit um, the Demystifying Diversity podcast website, which is just demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com and find links to all episodes and resources. Or they can connect with me personally at daraleeslyons.com. And uh, yeah, all of those are great ways to to connect and and engage. And I'm always so so grateful when people reach out. I really take the time to answer every email and every every voicemail, everything, all of it. So I love to hear from people. Well, and um, I hope it's not a surprise to a listener, but before someone says hello on the recording, I actually have talked to them for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So when we were talking before we pushed record. Um, you know, the way you were describing the interviews for the podcast and how then that was turned into a book. It's like, it sounds so thoughtful and an awareness of like so much nuance. And then also um, holding on to the the story and really um, giving the space for the story to be shared. So um, I appreciate all that. And, and um, I look forward to reading your book because that 
that seems like, especially a listener who, if they listen to the podcast and they want to know more, they want to hear more of the nuance and hear more of the story. I know um, the way you're describing it. I'm like, Ooh, that sounds so wonderful. So yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the book. Cause I did not, but the, I wrote a book called demystifying diversity, embracing our shared humanity. And there's also a workbook that you can get with oh, that. Good. Um, and there is a, um, there's a specific section in the book that does focus on the body diversity episode that we did and those stories and those voices. And that um, also has like a workbook section where it gives people things that they can do to dismantle their own internalized bias and to, um, to really push back against diet culture in a way that's empowering and individualized and nuanced and kind of allows them to choose a place to start. Because I think like, oh my God, you know, the suppression of self is just Mm -hmm. culturally rampant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And food is one piece of that, but there are so many other ways that we're taught that it's not okay to be who we are in this world. And I have found that the greatest healing, the greatest liberation um, for myself and for those that I've worked with and spoken to has been to find a way to be authentic, you know, and, um, and to start somewhere, to start that authenticity journey somewhere. And often body reclamation is a part of that, you know, like we can't live our authentic lives when we're in an inauthentic body. Yes. Oh yeah. And, and connecting with that is going to be tough at times because how the world is currently set up. Right. So, um, and it may take time to connect with all those things that you learn that you love about yourself, you know, all those different yeah. layers. Um, well, take- as those layers happen, we find like the people, like, I can't even yeah. tell you, Julie, how my life is so different. My friendships, my mm. family relationships, you know, and not everything. It's not perfect. I don't mean to, you know, I have not arrived and anywhere <laughs> and the more authentic and the more authentically self-expressed I become, the more I start to draw similar people to me and people who think like I do. I mean, when I was in active restriction, that was all I thought about. And I, and I didn't want anyone, you know, telling me other things, but today in my life, I don't, I don't think I have anyone in my life today who's on a diet, you know, like I just Mm -hmm. don't, that's just not part of my fear, you know? So yeah, I think it, I think the society that we're a part of also shifts as we shift. We we yes. get linked into new communities. Yes. Oh, that's so awesome. That it, the way you're describing that too. I know it's not like at this arrival point, you know, but it sounds really, it sounds accessible and hopeful. Yeah. The way you're yeah. describing it. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I hope that. Um, a listener can connect with that too. Yeah. Uh, and it is accessible. Like I, we didn't talk about this part of my story, but um, I've been institutionalized 16 times for anorexia and bulimia. Like mm-hmm. I, there is no way that I should be able to function mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in society as I do. And yet it's been 11 years since my last, I was last in a treatment facility and I live mm-hmm. a wonderful life today that reflects who I am at my core and that's full of love and includes no (laughs) self-destructive eating behaviors and no over-exercising, you know, just, I'm just like a free person today. And I never believed I couldn't go, you know, two hours without binging and purging, let alone, Mm -hmm. you know, days and years and weeks and months. So Mm -hmm. there, there is absolutely hope. There is totally hope and freedom available to people. 
I'm I'm not going to deny there's a little bit of like mist in my eyes right now because <laughs> I know I know some people who listen to this this podcast who can relate to the number of times that you required hospitalization or you you were um, receiving treatment in a higher level of care and that that experience of like there's just no way I'm ever going to recover. Yeah. Um, hearing someone else who's been in the same place again, I'm like there's a little mist in my eyes right now <laughs> because I know it's going to be um, important to someone listening. Oh my gosh. I just, I so appreciate your time. It's so nice to get to know you and more about your work um, and your lived experience. I it's, I feel um, honored to have learned about what you've experienced and to uh, like hear it. And I know it's going to help someone listening. So, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Julie. And thanks to everyone who's listening. And thank you so much to Terrified and Pleading for a Truce. So there you have it. Letter writer, I hope my conversation that I had with Darylise Lyons was helpful to you. I feel so grateful that I got to hear Darylise's experiences in recovery. And like I said, I did get a misty eyed because I know there are so many people listening. And I wonder if you're one of them who just feel so far from experiencing freedom from the grips of an eating disorder and diet culture. I hope it gives you that hope that I was just connecting with, listening to what what she was saying. I see that food has written back, but before we get to Food's Letter, this episode of a Love Food podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. And to celebrate my birthday, I am giving you 30% off using the coupon code BIRTHDAY at checkout. It's going to be 30% off on May 16th through May 24th. And again, go to PCOSandFoodPeace.com and use coupon code BIRTHDAY at checkout. If you enjoyed this episode of the Love Food Podcast, I would love it if you left a rating, a review, subscribed, or shared an episode. Doing any of those acts of kindness really helps the show grow, and I am sending you so much thanks in advance. All right, enough of all of that. Let's go ahead and hear Food's Letter. But until next time, take care. Dear Terrified and Pleading for a Truce. We have traveled far together. The layers to our journey have darkness and we have some light. As you navigate this loving relationship and trauma treatment, consider what it would be like to add more layers to your understanding of yourself. What if you added more of what brings you joy, enthusiasm, connection, or calm? What if you added boundaries to what fed the self-destruction unsubscribed to the messages encouraging emptiness. We are hopeful moving forward as we feed the possibilities for recovery and you falling in love with you. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a love food podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.